finally, I'd just like to introduce Jane Cascala to you. Jane, would you like to come up and join me? Would you welcome Jane? Yeah. <laughs> so Jane is a long-term friend of our church, a counsellor, a teacher of Living Wisdom courses, um, and this morning is our guest speaker bringing the message, and we're really privileged to have you here, Jane, oh, and you. just thankful that you're teaching not only out of your um, professional experience this morning, but out of your own journey. So can mm. I pray for you yes. as we begin? Father, we just thank you for Joan. Thank you Mm -hmm. for everything that you've taught her over her life. Um, But particularly this morning, we just want to acknowledge your work in her life in the last year that she'll share about. And we just want to thank you. Thank you that she's with us and able to share the testimony of your goodness. Um, And we just pray that you would speak to us through your spirit and through the things that Joan's prepared this morning. We ask in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Joan. I just forgot my water. Hold on. Good morning, everybody. You know how much I love coming up here in the winter. It's so good. I was with Angela and Bill Harding last month um, in New Zealand, and they just wanted to say hello to everyone. So I want to take some photos this morning, maybe, um, and send to them. They're doing great, catching snapper, fresh snapper, you know, in their kayaks, loving the lack of humidity. Now, I think the bigwigs are away today, and also the live stream isn't working. Is that right? So we can get up to all sorts of stuff. And they're not going to know. It's going to be great. Just a few things about this morning. Please don't hear this as a formula. This is just my journey, personal journey. I think there's principles in God but there's not necessarily formulas. So, and another um, disclaimer, really, I want to talk about healing, of course, because that's what's fresh for me. But I also want to acknowledge that I've always discovered that there's two things that walk alongside healing, and that is confusion and disappointment. They seem to just be alongside for some reason. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Mark 2, 1 to 12, because I know you've been doing Jesus stories. And so I've watched some of the Jesus stories, and I did notice that there wasn't a Jesus story about healing. So I thought, well, that must be for me then. No one's done a healing story, a Jesus healing story. So let's have a look at Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. I mean, I could have picked any healing story. There's so many of them. Some of them are incredibly short. This is a bit longer. But I picked this one in particular, and you'll find out why as we go along. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. He was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them not even through the door or near the door. And he preached the word to them. See, faith comes by hearing. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they came near, because of the crowd, they couldn't get in. They uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed which the paralytic was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, 
even though they'd wrecked the roof, probably, of the house. He saw it as faith. He said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. That's the part that used to really confuse me. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Of course, we know he is God. But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned like this, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you? Or say, arise, take up your bed and walk. So now he said both of those things. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said this to the paralytic. I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your home. Immediately he arose, took up his bed and went out to the, pres- out of, out to the presence of them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. They glorified God. I've kind of got two sides of the story here. I've got one side of what I used to think about healing before um, I received my diagnosis. I don't know if most of you will know, some of you will know. Each year I set goals, physical, spiritual, emotional, financial, career, etc., and last year at the beginning of the year I was setting my goals, as I usually do, and I don't know how much of it is me setting them and God guiding me or a bit of both. But anyway, my physical goal, I decided in January last year, was to work on my gut health and get my gut health good. And through a whole series of events and a whole series of amazing coincidences, I was diagnosed with cancer in August. In July, they discovered I was in kidney failure and didn't know why. And then they discovered why, because I had multiple myeloma, which is an incurable cancer that impacts your bones, for me, my kidneys as well, and also your plasma cells. So a bone marrow biopsy proved that I had 70 to 80% um, cancer in my plasma cells and my bone marrow. At the beginning of the year, I always asked God for a scripture for the year. And he'd given me, for you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I said to him, oh, is that it? Like, hello, that's so common. Have you got anything else? But for a few days, all I got was you are fearfully and wonderfully made. So as you can imagine, all last year, I discovered a lot more about what that means. Now, another disclaimer for today, my journey isn't finished yet. This is the first time I've shared it publicly with anyone. So I'm still learning and I'm still figuring it out and I'm still growing. So um, I hope I do okay. Let's see how we go. God is with me because the big wigs are gone anyway. So that's good. So on my chart, I have got before my affliction and now as today. So before my affliction, I used to think, well, what is affliction? It's a state of pain, distress, grief or misery, either spiritual, physical or emotional. Sounds great, doesn't it? A a state of pain, distress, grief or misery. 
either spiritually or physically or emotionally. And of course, this is a lot of my work with people because people come for help when they are in some kind of affliction. So before my affliction, I used to think it seems really cruel that a person has to have faith to be healed. What does that mean anyway? And do I have enough faith? And how would I even know if I had enough faith? Forget it, I used to say. You aren't sick, so you don't need to worry about it. Up until July last year, I had been in fantastic health. I'd never had to think about sickness. I'd never had to really think about healing. I loved healing, and I went to you know different healing evangelists to watch what was going on, and, but I couldn't work it out, and so that's what I used to think. Now, now at this time today, I think this. It is more important that the person praying has faith than it is for the person receiving. I believe that now. Jesus had faith. He had God faith because he was God. We know perfectly well that some people get healed that don't even believe. So that can't be about their faith, can it? But then there's other times where Jesus says your faith has healed you. You know, this is the thing with the Bible. It's so confusing. And there seems all these contradictions. So then I discovered, I think along the way, that when the person praying has faith and a healing comes, sometimes the healing can be lost. We know about this. Why did someone lose their healing? Maybe because of their own doubt in the end or maybe because the symptoms came back and symptoms are very strong and our five senses are very strong and they're hard not to believe. But then I've realised that if the person praying has faith and the person receiving, it can be dynamite and the healing could remain. I remember when this first happened, I was, I didn't, I had the choice that Cy Rogers used to say, you can either run from God or to God. What are you going to do? And I felt like, well, I, I'm going to run to God. I mean, it would be stupid not to. But what did that look like, running to God? So I started to soak myself in the Word of God, soak myself in, um, healing, Old healing books like Andrew Murray, Divine Healing, F.F. Bosworth, you know, Christ the Healer, um, old stuff. But very early in the piece, I said to God, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Like, what should I do? Should I get this treatment? I don't want this treatment. I don't like treatment. I don't want to put poison in my body. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to have faith in you. Until they told me that I had three months to live and I'd be dead by Christmas if I didn't have the treatment. And I I thought, well, that's not enough time to do what I want to do and see the people I want to see. I need more time. Uh, And I really struggled in this double bind about faith versus medicine. I struggled for a long time. And I talked to my daughter and I said, I just want to have faith in God, you know. And she said, Mum... For goodness sake, of course you've got faith in God. And I said, yeah, but how do I know? She said, because you're not saying, why did he do this to me? Why did he let this happen to me? Why has this happened to me? Why me? Why God? He's not good. Why did he do this? She said, you're not saying any of that. 
And that kind of was a bit of revelation to me, that my faith was just in my attitude, just in my attitude to run to him, not from him, even though confusion and disappointment are walking with you the whole time. I just had to kind of hold their hands but leave them over here while I stayed focused. And very early in the piece, when I said to God, what do you want me to do? Because living wisdom teaches this principle. Don't delegate to God what he's delegated to you and do everything you can do and leave God to do the miracles. So I said, okay, God, I'm leaving the miracle to you, but what do I do? What do you want me to do? And I very early got a word of faith, food, and fasting. I didn't mind the faith part. I didn't mind the food part. didn't like the sound of the fasting part at all. I mean, I used to fast in New Zealand when things were struggling in my marriage, and I did do quite a bit of fasting. But then I came over here and, you know, oh, life's so good here and life's so relaxing and, oh, what do I need to fast for? And there's so much yummy food and... And I just dropped it, really, until I started going to Africa and the Africans couldn't believe that we don't fast. They said to me, but how? How do you impact your government's minds? How do you get victory over the enemy? How do you blah, 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 blah? And then I got a bit of conviction, but I still didn't do anything about it. I decided to do intermittent fasting because that was easier. But then... As I started to look up cancer and fasting, oh my goodness, what I discovered was incredible. And I decided that fasting was actually a gift from God. It's a gift from God, and it was all through the Old Testament that we fasted, and it was part of staying healthy. Then I realized that in the Garden of Eden, we were created to not die. Our bodies were created to continue healing themselves all the time until the enemy came in and messed it all up. And now our bodies start dying. And we will die, of course. But I don't think we should die before 80. Three score and 10 plus another 10 if you're strong. My mum's 88 and she said, yeah, well, I'm overdue. And it's like Groundhog Day. I'm ready to go. And so I don't know why she's got extra, but she has. Then I started to discover, how do I get more faith? At first I was like, oh my gosh, I need more faith. Faith, faith, faith. I'm panicking. How have I got enough faith? Have I got enough faith? And then I realized the only way to increase my faith is just to read the word of God and to grab the promises of God. So I think there's promises of God that were kind of lying all around me, but I didn't really need them. So I never picked them up. I didn't need the promises of God for healing. I was fine. Now I had to learn how to pick it up. I had to pick up the promises of God. And I started to declare them over my body and over myself. And at first I was striving, you know, but in the end I just relaxed into it and it just became part of my new way of thinking. So in October I entered into treatment because I didn't want to die by Christmas and my kids didn't either. And I read something in a little Charles Capps book. I don't know if you remember Charles Capps, some of you baby boomers. And he had a little book called God's Divine Healing. And in the book he said, sometimes the diagnosis you receive is bigger than your faith at the time. 
and you need time to catch up. And I felt like that's what it was. The diagnosis was too big for where my faith was and I needed time to catch up. So I, w- I went to, into the six months of treatment. I got elders to pray for me, just once, lay hands on me, anoint me with oil. I did discover why Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. I discovered that for me, for me, this is not for everyone, Satan had an open door to get in because God is not the author of sickness. He is never the author of sickness. But I had opened a door for him to just, you know, mess around with me. He chose sickness. Sometimes he chooses other things, but his goal is always to rob, steal, and destroy. And I realized that I had opened that door through sin. And I started to ask the Holy Spirit, what is my sin and help me repent? Well, that was a bit of a shock, you know, when you ask the Holy Spirit to show you what your sin is. Because, you know, hello, I speak at church, I run courses, me, sinning? I don't think so. Well, I'm not going to tell you my list of sins. Uh, But there was a decent list. And I was in danger of being one of the five foolish virgins. Saved, but missing out in getting into the kingdom. Saved, but no oil in my lamp. I don't know how that all works, but I knew that I was in danger because I was not in an intimate relationship with God. I had months of prayerlessness times. Months of it. And then I'd care, oh gosh, I'm going to Cairns speaking. I'd better get into prayer for a week or two. I was not in intimate relationship with God. And God's whole goal all the time is for us to be in intimacy with him. I don't believe that God does what he used to do in the Old Testament, where he used to kill people, afflict people, bite people with snakes, open up the ground and follow, swallow people. He did that because he kept on calling them back into relationship, back into relationship. But Jesus took all that for us. He took all that curse, all that affliction. God doesn't do that to his people anymore. Life does. Our choices do, but not God. But these things need to wake us up. Otherwise, they're not worth it. If we're in pain, it's not worth going through the pain unless it drives us towards God. Then I started to learn before before um, I was afflicted, I thought that people had to have a healing gift, that they had to have a healing gift to pray for people. Now I have started to discover that we have the full measure of the Holy Spirit in us. The full measure. We don't have a baby Holy Spirit, a little Holy Spirit, a partial Holy Spirit. We have the full Spirit of God within us. So anyone can lay hands on the sick. Anyone who knows the power of the Spirit within them Romans 8, we have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. I'm still learning about that. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to grasp it. But that is the truth of it. We are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that word baptized comes from baptismo, which comes from a word where they used to put material into dye to color it. 
and it had to stay there until every fibre was saturated in the dye. That is baptismo. Holy Spirit lives in us and he saturates every cell, every part of our body. As we discover that and we live in that, we start to realise the true treasure that we have inside this clay pot that is broken, cracked and damaged and ageing. And then I thought, well, what role does fasting pray in, uh, play in healing anyway? Jesus said, you don't have to fast when I'm here, but he did say when I'm gone, you'll need to fast. So when Jesus was there, the disciples didn't fast, which is, which is great. But then we come to the scripture of why couldn't the disciples drive out that demon when they had, were sent out? Jesus had to come along and he said, oh, you of little faith, you know, why am I putting up with you? And then he drove out the demon. This, and he said, this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. Do you remember that scripture? But that's a contradiction because the disciples didn't have to fast when the bridegroom was with them. So what is he really saying? I've done lots of study on this and there's a lot of um, theologians that believe what he was saying is fasting can drive out your doubt. It can drive out your doubt. Why? Because it, it has spiritual, physical and emotional benefits that can actually take you into deeper intimacy with God. There is so much research out there about how uh, fasting kills cancer if you do it for long enough. I just starve the beast. That's what I say to the hematologists. I'm starving the beast. I've told them right up front, I have a treatment plan. I'm working with you. You're, you're giving me this, and I'm doing faith, food, and fasting. Do you want to hear more about that? No, no, whatever reassures you. You know, that's fine. Anyway, since my results have been becoming more and more amazing, now they're finally interested in listening what this faith, food, and fasting might be about. So food, I've just gone to organic food, but I'm not legalistic. Um, I lived in legalism for years where I prayed because I had to. I have to pray. I have to pray. I should pray. I ought to pray. I've got to pray. I lived in legalism like that for years. And I prayed actually quite a lot, but it was by obligation. Then I discovered grace. And my prayer life got less and less and less. Because I understood that I don't have to. I'm forgiven. I'm loved. I'm accepted. I'm saved. You know, it's all good. I did that for a long time. Now I've had to come back into I pray because I want to. I pray because I want relationship. I pray because I am the father's daughter. I pray because he misses me. He misses me when I'm out busy doing this and that and every other thing. I thank God now for my affliction. Listen to this. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. You know, but no one knew that. But I did and God did and the devil did as well. But now I keep your word. You are good and you do good. 
I remember the day I realised that he had a, he had not blocked this because he's so in love with me that he doesn't want me to miss out on eternity. I became incredibly grateful that he woke me up because I used to say to him, look, God, I'm so lukewarm, I just want to spew myself out of my mouth. So I can completely understand how you would want to spew me out of your mouth because I want to. And I would pray every now and then, saying, do whatever it takes to make me hot. Do whatever it takes. I know I don't want to be cold and I'm sick of lukewarm. Do whatever it takes. Now, did he go, oh, goody, goody, I'll give her cancer? No. He doesn't do that. He's not that kind of God. He's full of compassion, full of mercy, full of love. Jesus healed them all. It said over and over and over, he healed them all. He healed them all. Why? Because of his compassion and his mercy. But the enemy is always out to rob us. Verse 71 says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes and promises. It is good for me. If we can embrace it and say, Right, I'm going to milk this for all it's worth. I'm going to get everything I can out of it. But the bottom line is, God wants me in relationship with him. And together, him and I will walk through it. What time did I start? What time do I finish? Oh. <laughs> oh, thank you. Now, the other thing I used to think is sometimes it's not his will to heal. You know, if he's willing. I used to think that. Now I am utterly, utterly fully persuaded he always wants to heal. Always. How do I know that? Jesus proved it. He came to demonstrate the Father. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. And he healed all that came to him. All. He's always willing. Always willing and always wants to. He's not trying to teach us lessons. He's not saying, I'll remove this when you learn, blah, blah, blah. He's not doing any of that. That's not our God. That's not his character. At all. So now I realise, I, and when we pray for people, we have to know that he is willing. He is so willing. And what do I do with, well, why do some people get healed and some don't? Why do some people get healed instantly and some it's slow? And I just say, that's confusion. And that can just stay over there. It's all part of it. I don't need those answers. I just need to know that he's willing and that he wants to. And that the Spirit of God lives in me and can flow out of me. I can be a conduit for him. I always used to say, I'm going to die healthy. I'm going to die healthy like Derek Prince. I'm just going to die at 80 years old doing what I love. I'm going to die healthy. And that is still what I'm saying. I am still claiming my 80 years. I'm 65, so I can get my super now, which is really exciting. So I'm going to go tandem hang gliding tomorrow. And I'm going to think, now, God, you haven't brought me this far to make me die. You haven't brought me this far for me to just fall out of the sky. I'm not putting you to the test. 
Honestly, I'm not. I just want to live. I haven't got a bucket list. If I had a bucket list, what's on it is that when I die, I know him. And he knows me. That's all I want. Then I used to think, what about the devil? What's his role? What about demons? Where's it all at? You know, is everything a demon? Is some things a demon? You know, do I drive demons out of myself, um, out of other people? What's demonic? What's not? All very confusing. Now, we know in the Bible, sometimes Jesus drove out a demon. Sometimes he said, your sins are forgiven. Sometimes he just said, pick up your mat and walk. So I think God will show us what it is in our own lives if we will seek him. He showed me all the way what my sins were, what the role of the devil played, what my role was in cooperating with healing, because we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and we can cooperate with our own healing. We do what we can do. You know, I'm sitting in the chemo chair, and what do they do? They bring you cakes and biscuits and orange juice. And cancer loves sugar. It's his favorite food. I think they're trying to kill us while they fix us. You know, it's just such a contradiction. So if I wasn't fasting, I'd take my own food. And people would go, oh, that smells so good. I said, yes, because it is good. It is good. Now I love good food. And I love food even more now that I fast because can't wait to eat again. It's very exciting. What about, I'll finish with this because this, is a, this trips us up. What does it mean that by his stripes you are healed? How many people have been tripped up by that scripture, don't know what to do with that scripture? You know, it's a present particle, passive something, verb or whatever it is. And it actually means you are healed, you are being healed, and you will be healed. It means all of those things. So what I have discovered now is it's exactly the same as salvation, and it's exactly the same as forgiveness. I got saved over 30 years ago. I don't wake up each morning going, oh my gosh, am I still saved? I don't feel saved. Maybe that's sin. Maybe I sinned and maybe I've lost my salvation. No, by faith, every day, I believe I'm saved. Even though I still sin, I'm saved. Even though I'm not perfect, I'm saved. I was saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. Let's have a quick look at that because that is so important. I am saved. I'm being saved, and I will be saved. It's all of them. 1 Corinthians, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. Over the page, 1 Corinthians three, fifteen. If anyone's work is burned... He will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet so as through the fire. And, of course, we know the salvation event. Uh, that's Ephesians. 
I think, chapter 2, where we are saved, translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. So it's all of those three. And it's the same with forgiveness. I have been forgiven. It was done on the cross. I've been forgiven. It's finished. It is done. But I'm also being forgiven today because I'm still not perfect and I'm still messing up, so I'm being forgiven. And then, of course, in eternity, that's it. It's done and dusted. Forgiveness is not even on the radar. It is over. And it's the same with healing. So salvation, healing, and forgiveness, they all are. It's finished, it's done, it's happening, and it will happen. All of those together. So it's very exciting. I'm going to leave you with this. Some of the things that I have learned. It's good for me to be afflicted. I was in danger of being one of the foolish virgins. I said that, I said that. I opened the door to Satan. I know now that I'm a much better steward of my body than I was before. I know that. I know that I have more faith in God's goodness now. I know that I have more faith in his willingness to give me good things. Good things come from the Father above. I know now that God is not the problem. Life is, Satan is, or I am, or all of them. But God is never the problem. I know now that what the enemy meant for harm, a premature death, God and I, God and I have turned around for good. Because we're co-workers with God. We're co-heirs with God. I'm not taking some of God's glory by saying that. Because he called us to cooperate with him. He called us to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. He called us to steward our minds and our bodies. It's not hard to get hold of God, I've realised. I just have to get a proper hold of his promise. The promise necessary to screen out all the voices that are going on in my head. Well, what about Bill Johnson's wife? She lived in the anointing all the time. She was a health freak. She ate organically. What about her? What about John Meller? Why did he die? Healing evangelist. Why? I have to just say, that's confusion. I don't understand it. I can't answer it. But all I have to do is hold on to the promise of God that he is good, he wants to heal, he's willing to heal. And the spirit of God is the same yesterday, today and forever. He always used to heal. He healed when he was here and he is still healing today. I've also worked out that I have faith in God's character, not faith in my faith. I was trying to build my faith. I was trying to get it bigger than a mustard seed. But I didn't even know what size it was. And then I realised, hang on, I've got to have faith in God, not faith in my faith. Don't have faith in your faith. Have faith in God's character, who he is. You've got to decide if he's good or not. Though I don't know what is coming in my future... I do know that I can trust his character more than I can trust my feelings. And I do know that whether I live or die, I win. I'm a winner. 
whether I live or whether I die. But at the moment, God has been working a miracle in my body for eight months, and the doctors are shocked, the haematologists are shocked, and if I take one more step and, and I'm willing to get another bone marrow transplant to prove that I am what they, in what they call stringent, complete response, which I said obviously is code word for miracle, because this cancer is incurable, so a complete response equals miracle. And he went, well, yes, I suppose you could say that. And he said, if you get to that, which you won't, because you haven't had a stem cell transplant, and you won't because you've refused our ongoing treatment, so you won't. I said, well, did you think I'd be here today? And he said, well, no. I said, I'll get to that. I will get to it. And then what will you give me? And he said, we'll write a big medical article on you, and it will be published in the haematologist's medical journal. And I said, will you write about my faith, food, and fasting. And he said, yes, we have to write about everything that was done. And I said, hallelujah. I will have the bone marrow transplant to prove that God has been working a miracle in my body all this time. Now, I don't know what's, what's ahead, but I do know that God has saved me from being one of the five foolish virgins and now it's my choice now whether I go back to lukewarmness or whether I stay getting hotter and hotter and hotter. It's my job now. But he's given me the wake-up call I needed. He didn't do it to me. But it's the wake-up call I needed. And I'm so grateful for it. And I want to pray for anyone this morning who wants healing. I see some oil down there. Yes, hallelujah. And we could push these seats back so people can get in here. And anyone who feels like they have faith to pray for the sick, come up and pray for the sick. We are all disciples. We are all filled with the same Holy Spirit. Does say call the elders, so we want them as well to come and pray for the sick. But let's stand in faith today that God is willing he wants to. He's always willing. He loves you. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're a good, good God. Lord, we don't understand the confusing things about healing. We don't understand the disappointments. We have to just put them aside and say, but we do know that Jesus came to demonstrate who you are. We do know that you are not the author of sickness. We do know that you're always willing. And this morning we're going to stand on that and we're going to, in faith, allow the Holy Spirit to do what he loves to do, which is to bring sozo into our lives, wholeness in body, soul, and spirit. Sozo this morning, Lord, we thank you for it. In your powerful name. And just as an aside quickly, you know Jesus never really prayed for people. He never really prayed. So don't be discouraged this morning if I don't do a lot of praying because I have learned he just commanded. Get, pick up your mat and walk. Action. We have to have an action. Get out. He didn't actually pray. 
at all. He just spoke in authority in the command, and that's what I will do some of. Uh, so don't be discouraged if you know you're not getting an hour of prayer, because it's about God doing what He can do, and He can do it in the twinkling of an eye.